I'm checking on the clock so y'all don't have to think, how, when are we going to get out of here? So my watch fell off on the way here. So you know what? Heather is so right, and I, I do so appreciate her. I'm, I'm probably older than her mother, but I do, when I met her the first time, I had the butterflies in my stomach because I'd always loved Point of Grace from the time that they started. And so I had always admired them, and so to actually get to meet her, it was really something. And then, um, Ella, we sure loved having, I'm going to embarrass you, but we sure loved having you at our house. Even my son, who was in high school at the time, he would hold you and sit at the computer, and Tim would, and then... Nate came along, and they would play football with him, even though he was just toddling around. And then Seth, and then Ava, darling, we love you, and we've watched you from afar. So, um, but anyway, um, you know, talking about the the time we have just to sit and chat and to rest, it is so rare. You know, I was just thinking about my day-to-day, and my hair's a product of it. You know, the rain... I had to get up early. My husband was leaving for Malaysia today, so I took him to the air, um, to the seminary to meet a crew that was going. And then I met one of my piano students' brothers who was playing a, for a state competition at UofL, the violin. I was accompanying him on the piano. And then I had to take him home because his brother was graduating, and so and then to come out here. Then I'm picking up my uh, youngest daughter, who was adopted at 18, her biological mom, in Indiana, and we're going to work on her getting her high school diploma this week while my husband's in Malaysia. And then I'm going out to my grandson's baseball game tonight in the rain, probably. So, you know what? And I know you could match me and double what I'm having, just all the busyness that life is. And so today, Heather was asking me to um, just address and speak a little bit about just living life when, when we need to rest. And so... Um, I thought I would call this the ABCs of learning to live a life of rest in the midst of a stress-filled world. Because all of us can count on our fingers and toes and then we'll run out of all the things that we have to do and all the um, places we have to be and all the responsibilities that we have. You know, some moms have come up with a great idea for the next season of the TV show Survivor. And it says six men will be dropped off on an island for six weeks with one minivan and four kids each. Each kid must play two sports and take either music or dance lessons. Each man must take care of his four kids, keep his assigned hut clean, do laundry, correct homework, and prepare meals. Each man must attend a weekly PTA meeting and make a miniature Indian teepee from four toothpicks, two paper clips, and a flower tortilla. They must make a four-year-old eat a whole serving of peas, and the kids get to vote them off the island based on their performance. The winner gets to go back to his job. <laughs> so, you know, we can just see some of the challenges and busyness just of life. Whether you're a parent or not, you've been a child and you've been there. So the scripture we're going to look at today is John, um, excuse me, Matthew 11, 28 and 29, when it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, Jesus is giving us that invitation, come, and I will give you, not a, not a list of to-dos, but his personhood, who he is as a person. So um, I would like us to pray, and then I would give you a few ABCs. Okay. Father, I thank you for this opportunity for uh, us as ladies to be able to get away and just come together for fellowship. And, Father, to be reminded of your great love for us. And, Father, thank you for how you've spoken to us through Heather's songs. Father, the way that you've used those words to just encourage our hearts and to give us rest. 
So, Father, I pray that as we um, are here today, that each one of us would leave with just one encouragement from you about how much you love us and how much you want to give us rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, you know, when the kids were growing up, we always read them the Dr. Seuss book, which you probably still have at your house. Um, Big A, little A, what begins with A, Aunt Eddie's Alligator, A, A, A. You know, Big B, little B, what begins with B, Baby Barbara's Bubbles and a Bumblebee. Big C, little C, what begins with C, Camels on the Ceiling, C, C, C. I have, you know, Tim and I can still recite that book by memory from reading it so many times. Whether you've read it yourself, or if you had it growing up that you remember, or if you've read it to your grandchildren, or if you just remember it. So the ABCs that I would like us to remember, the A, I would like us to remember just to abide in Jesus Christ, to abide. John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Uh, Apart from me, you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You know, the best thing we can do to find rest and to survive in the world is to abide in Christ, to abide in the daily, personal, intimate relationship characterized by trust, by prayer, by time in the word, by obedience. When he says, abide in me and I in you, means just to safeguard that relationship. Um, Because he says we can do nothing apart from him. But yet we try so often in our own strength to do everything. And so have you ever said, well, I've done all I can do now and I need to pray? When we really should go think, well, I need to pray first. And that's really what our response should be. So the scripture in Proverbs says to treasure God's commandments within us. And so I want to ask you, how, how long has it been since you've treasured God's commandment, if you've treasured the word? And for some of you, you may have thought, you know, just now when Heather sang, or this morning I, I had some time in the word, or last week. But sometimes, and I'm sorry to say, I could think back and think, well, it's been several weeks since I've sat down and really treasured God's word. But that, is, that really gives us rest, <clears throat> You know, I want to read um, a little bit from the church in Ephesus in Revelation. <clears throat> and he says, I know, Jesus is talking, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tasted those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. So he's saying, I know your deeds. And he's talking about false teachers. But he could say that same thing to us. I know your deeds. I know what you're doing. And he goes on in verse 2. Verse 3, excuse me, you have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. And so he might be saying to you, good job, you are doing so much at the church. You are the first one there when the doors are open. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You have high standards, you're a hard worker, you persevere. And that is all to be commended. But in verse 4, he goes on to say, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And the Ephesian converts had 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 known such a love at first, but in their struggle with false teachers, they had lost that with each other. But John is also talking about they had lost that intimate devotion with the Lord. And if you can think back of a time, 
where you've had that intimate relationship with the Lord. And you can kind of tell when you've had that time treasuring God's word. And then there have been times where it's just been a lot of gaps. That is what can really give rest um, and rejuvenation to our souls. Um, have you ever thought, God, what is wrong? Why am I not as excited as I used to be? You know, you bow your heads in prayer, but your mind is really thinking what you're having for lunch. Um, you sing songs, but your your heart's really not in it. You're not even knowing the words. You're just singing along. You know, why have I settled down and accepted things the way they are? You know, sometimes that can creep in into us. And how is it that we can know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and someone who's died on the cross, forgiven us for our sins, assured us of, of eternal life, but yet grow, grow cold in the midst of activity? So what happened to the warmth that we used to have? You know, when we were first saved, we felt inadequate and we depended on God for everything. But sometimes the more and more um, independent we are, the more and more we, we come to know God's word, the more independent we feel like we are. Um, we feel more sufficient within ourselves, and we don't feel like we need him as much as we used to. So we shift our dependence on God to sometimes to the things or the people that God has given us. So it's easy to get cooled off, but the, the chill comes when we no longer sense the absolute need of Christ in our lives. So verse 5 gives us the solution to all this. It says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent. And return and do the works you did at first. So there's three things there to remember. You know, remember, keep on remembering. Hold in your memory those times where you have known the presence of the Lord. And you have treasured God's word. Um, and then to repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've, I have left you. Because Jesus never leaves us. We're the ones that always turn. And then return and do the works that you did at first. Either the works of love or establish that community communing with him daily. You know, I remember when I think back, when it says to remember, I think back of when I went to England. And when I first went, I had just finished seminary and I had um, worked at a church in Houston and I had just met my husband and we went to a conference for five days where we met, but I was going on to Houston and he was going back to Kansas. And I flew over there, and I, I woke up the first morning I was there, and I looked out, and there were all these flats, which is what they call apartments. And I realized, you know what? God, it's just you and me. There's not anybody else here. And I felt such a loneliness just for about five minutes. And then I felt an overwhelming presence of the Lord saying, Cher, we're going we're gonna to do this. I want you to be here. I have some things I want to teach you while you're over here working with this church. And I, I just, every day was just a lifeline where I just clung to the Lord. And so I can look back on that time and think, Lord, I remember how it was just every day. I'm excited to see what you're going to say. I have that time with you. And sometimes then I would realize how I kind of lost that. And that gave me the, the strength that I needed to go on, knowing the Lord knew everything. And apart from him, I could do nothing. So this little poem I want to read is called Time to Pray. It says, I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish, I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbling about me and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me? I wondered. And he answered, you didn't ask. I tried to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me, but he said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all of my keys at the lock. But God gently and lovingly chided, My child, you didn't knock. 
I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I knew I had to take time to pray. So the importance with God needs to be a conviction or it's going to be crowded out. Um, there's a little pamphlet that was popular when I was in college called Tyranny of the Urgent. And sometimes the urgent things would crowd out the important things. And we just really need to remember that being busy and crowding out God's word is is not the thing that we can give up. There's a little poem, two, two sentences, but you will probably um, relate. It says, there was a little lamb who wanted to be a sheep. But he joined a Baptist church, and he he died from lack of sleep. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've heard before that um, that the government builds roads, but Baptists wear them out going back and forth to church. You know, we can be going back and forth and doing and doing and doing, but still we can really burn out and get too busy to rest. You know, one of Tim's mentors came up with this illustration. It's kind of ludicrous, but I think it, it, it connects. It's about a car. If you... Some of you will remember, some of you won't, but there used to be a, such a thing as a filling station that really had people that worked there that came and put gas in your car. So imagine a car going around, and they said, fill it up. And so the man that came out there to actually help a person had the, the gas ready to go, but the car never stopped. And so the man realized, you know, I'm going to have to just put in what I can. So every time the car comes around, he tries to fill in a little bit of gas and a little bit of gas just to get it in. Of course, he's not going to get it filled up. But yet, sometimes that's what we do to God. We say, Lord, just fill me. I'm so run out. I'm so dry. Fill me up. But we never stop to let him do that. So let's just remember that if, we, if we're so busy that we don't have time for God, then we're too busy. We're busier than God intended us to be. Because seven days without the Bible makes one week. And that's W-E-A-K, not only just W-E-E-K. So some excuses can be, I can't find the time, or my life is too busy. We need to schedule our priorities, or I don't feel like it. And Spurgeon said, we should pray when we're in a praying mood, for it would be so sad to waste such an opportunity. But we should pray when we're not in the proper mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in such an unhealthy condition. So um, I'm going to close this little section about the A with an illustration about a man in the desert. And this this man in the desert came across about three or four other men who were just hiking through. And he said, when you come to a stream tonight, I want you to pick up some stones and put them in your pocket. And the next morning you will be both glad and sorry. And they thought that was really strange. But they kept walking. Sure enough, they came to a stream and they picked up some stones, just a few. Some picked up one, some picked up a few. And then they went on camped. The next morning, those stones had turned to diamonds. And then they realized what that man had told them in the desert. If you pick up some stones in the morning, you will be both glad and sorry. They were glad they had picked up some, but they wished they had picked up more. And, you know, when we have time with the Lord and God gives us his word and he blesses us with a verse or he encourages us, or if he wants us to spend time with him, blessing and praising him, those are like diamonds. They become so valuable and they become times where we look back on and we are so grateful that God had spoken to us at that time. But we can have that every day. That doesn't mean every day is going to be um, an aha moment, but every day God can encourage us with this word. 
So the A for finding rest is, first of all, abiding in Christ and letting him be the center of our relationship, of our world, of our day, of our hour, of our minute. Then the B is to be content. Because I think sometimes in our world, we're, we're always not content a lot of times. And so that can drain us of the energy that we have and we don't find our rest because we're not content. You know, there are several verses that talk about it. Paul in Second Corinthians says, um, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Hebrews says, be content with such things as you have, for um, I will never leave you or forsake you. Then, of course, in Philippians, one we're probably familiar with, where Paul says, um, I have learned to be content in whatever situation. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So um, contentment there, J.I. Packer says, it's just really accepting from God's hand what he sends because we know that he is good, and therefore it is good. Now, one of my heroes of the faith is Elizabeth Elliot. And she, her life verse was Psalm 16:5, that says, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup, and you have made my lot secure. And she would say, everything that happened in her life has been assigned. Now, if you don't know her story, her first husband was Jim Elliott, who was one of the missionaries that was killed by the Alka Indians in Ecuador. And um, she, she shares how that particular event, as horrible and as tragic as it was, is really what caused her to go into a writing and speaking ministry. Um, I had the privilege of being with her and about a hundred other ladies for one weekend, and she just shared her life for three days. This is back in 1994. And that's when she told us that, that if that hadn't happened, she would have never been a writer or a speaker. And she has influenced thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people through her writings and her speaking. And she says, every assignment is measured and controlled for my eternal good. As I accept the given portion, other options are canceled. Decisions become easier, directions clearer, and my heart becomes quieter. So um, in thinking about what God gives us, if if you look around, you'll see all these different teacups everywhere. And if you think for a minute, we are like a teacup, and every teacup is shaped differently Every teacup is colored differently. Every teacup has different kinds of tea in it. Now, we have a choice. We can either take our teacup and hold it up by the handle and say, Lord, thank you for what you've put in my cup. Or we can take our teacup and throw it across the gym and say, I don't like what you've given in my cup, and just let it crash. So we have a choice um, whether to do that. But whatever your circumstances are right now, God has you in a unique set of circumstances. That is your portion for right now. And it doesn't take God by surprise. You know, everything that happens to us has been father-filtered. It's come through his hand. Nothing takes him by surprise. So we, we need not to be looking at tomorrow or um, months or years down the road. But we need today to be contented today with where God has us. Um, you know, Paul's an example of a person um, who was content. And I think he does that by, in verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content. You know, it's our wants, to restrain our wants is what we need to do. It's 
ruin our contentment. We focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. Um, you know, ads on TV create discontentment, and people are paid to make us discontent. That's their job, and some people do a really good job at it. So are you content with what you have, or are you focusing on something you don't have? I remember um, when we had our house, first house in Geneva, Illinois. Tim had just gotten his Ph.D., and it was 1,200 square feet, and we had three children and one on the way. And I felt like a queen of a mansion, 1,200 square feet. And I would walk down the stairs and think, this is amazing. This is just so amazing. And then a couple years later, my best friend moved into a house that was like a mansion, literally, with closet space, that which I just really coveted after. And all of a sudden, I went back to my house, and I kept thinking, wow, we don't have any closet space. Wow, we don't really have that big playroom. And I kept looking at all that I didn't have in that. And I realized when I saw what she had, I wasn't content anymore. And God really had to remind me, Sharon, be content with what you have. And then I remember something that that was nine years ago, because my daughter's um, anniversary is coming up. My oldest daughter, Christy, and my son, John, they got married within four months of each other. And both of them, as a result of gift cards and and gifts, got new living room furniture. Christy and Will got leather furniture, and John and Ashley got this beautiful other kind of furniture. But I had always wanted a leather couch. I wanted any couch that didn't have holes in it, because we had always gotten it off Craigslist or hand-me-downs, always, our whole life. And so I really was struggling. I was so happy for her. I was so happy for Christy. But at the same time, I think, wow, they just got married, and they have leather couches. And I don't even have one without a hole because our dog had gotten into it. Um, He went crazy with a storm, and he put holes in it. And it was a hand-me-down anyway. And I remember, again, God just said, Sharon, you need to learn to be content with what you have. And I was looking at at this one couch when I had my house and my children and my family and all my needs taken care of, but I was letting that really eat away at me and make me discontent, which would make me not rest because I'd be unhappy. I'd be just kind of miserable about that. And you know what? I was able to surrender that to God and say, God, I am so sorry. You know what? I went to Goodwill, and they had a leather blue rocking chair for $15, and I bought it. (laughs) And I got my leather rocking chair. So, you know, but we have to learn to be content. Um, What happens around us should not determine what's going on in with us. And I love what Heather said. It goes right along with what I was to say. We need to be thermostats because thermometers too often were that way in our home where something happens and the thermometer goes up and down with your fever. But a thermostat regulates the house. And that's what, as we are striving to be content with, with what we have and with our portion, then we can regulate the circumstances around us. So that's what we should strive to be. Um, and then, so the A is for abide in Christ. The B is be content. And then the C is celebrate the gospel. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know what? It does not say, it was so hard, but I tried my best. You know, God's grace is what drew us to him. And it's God's grace in which we need to rest. We don't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And this is really what I want you to hear with to celebrate the gospel is, you know what? The work has been done. 
And our efforts to grow spiritually by spiritual disciplines should never be put in place of the gospel. Because I think probably a lot of you here are here because you are growing and you are seeking to grow. And you do come to church and you do read your Bibles. And But sometimes I know where I've been this way. If I feel like, well, if I didn't get up this early and sit in my chair with my coffee with it really quiet, then it doesn't count that I don't really have a, a, a quiet time. And you know what, ladies, I just want you to celebrate the gospel and realize to be free from that. Yes, God wants us to spend time, but it's not uh, he's going to bop us on the head. He understands seasons of life. He knows if you have parents that you're taking care of. He knows if you just had a new baby. He knows if you what you're going on in your life. And you know what? You don't have to follow someone else's plan for their spiritual life and be just like that for you to be um, growing spiritually. Um, we need to celebrate the gospel because if if we are relying on spiritual disciplines to pull us up on our bootstraps, we've missed the whole message of the gospel. You know, it's helpful to have that quiet place. It's helpful to, to be able to go there. But noise does not make your time with God. Um, it doesn't null and void that. So we, you need not to be too legalistic or hard on yourself. Yes, I'm saying we need to abide in Christ. But I want you to realize, too, God knows we're sinners. We are not perfect. We are humans. Um, and we just need to realize that we need to give ourselves the grace that God has already given us, God's riches at Christ's expense. And we need to um, experience the grace of the gospel as we live our lives in our homes. You know, there's a book called Glimpses of Grace, and and she talks about how we can the gospel can transform us in the midst of our house. Because some people it would be easy to view your cleaning the house or your children as a as an obstacle to your quiet time or to the spiritual disciplines when they're really what God has given you as a gift during that time. So all our days are just normal, ordinary days. Those Big aha moments come occasionally, but we need to learn to celebrate the gospel daily as we um, go about our our life. You know, what is our highest calling? Our highest calling isn't to be a wife. It isn't to be a mom. Um, our highest calling is to believe in um, the works of God. That In John 6, it says, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you may believe in him who he has sent. So there's no legalism, there's no performance, there's nothing that we can do that's going to make us better. And I think it's misguided teaching that burden us when they tell us that we need to do something other than our faith and our righteousness through Christ. So um, one way to hear if, you've, if the message you heard was full of grace is if you walk away saying, well, I'm going to try really, really, really hard to be a better mom and a better wife. Um, then you haven't heard the message of the gospel. Yes, it's, it's great to strive to be the best we can be, but the message of the gospel is you um, are my child. I'm going to work through you and depend on me. You know, if we walk away and we feel shame or full of despair, that's not the message of the gospel. The gospel wants to free us, wants to, it says, um, that to put, take my yoke and don't be heavy laden. But I will give you rest. And so we just need to remember that justification means just as if I had never sinned. And complete righteousness means just as if I've always rightly obeyed. 
And we just to remember that is the message of the gospel. So celebrate the gospel. And don't get our, your identity from, from rules that really have nothing to do. There is no scripture in the Bible that says you need to read this many chapters and this many verses in the Bible every day. Or you have to read through the Bible in one year. Or you have to get up at 5 in the morning and have a cup of coffee in the green chair or the blue leather chair. Um, you know, there's no verse in the Bible. Don't let someone else's laws reign in your life. And if we're trying to assure ourselves that we're okay and God's happy because we're doing these things, then we still miss the message of the gospel. So we, we need to believe that God is as good and powerful and wise and loving as he says he is, which we know he is, and then we can rest. So the, the gospel message is not be a perfect mom, be a perfect woman, be the model single woman in your community. Um, that's a false message of self-salvation, and it's not what Jesus said. He calls us to rest, to rest in who he is, to rest in who he has made us to be, to rest in the circumstances that he's put around us, to realize that he is going to help us get through those things. And when we, when we sin, and rather than fall into a pit of condemnation and self-pity, we can just say, thank you, Lord, for reminding me once again of my need for a Savior and how you suffered in my place. Thank you that you have freed me from guilt and made me your child. Please help me believe the gospel, no matter how I fail. Ladies, that gives us rest. So we need to believe to rest and rejoice in the work that has been done for us and celebrate the gospel. Now, I want to conclude just with one other illustration about two men that were cutting down trees, two woodsmen. And they were both cutting, and they were seeing how much they could each cut. And every so often, one of the men would stop and rest, and the other man would just keep working as hard as he could. And then they would both work, and then the other one would stop and work. And at the end of the day, the one who had stopped had more wood cut than the one who never took a break. And he said, I don't get it. Here I was working all day. I never took a break. And you rested uh, at lunchtime and dinner time, and, and you still had more than me. And he said, well, what you didn't realize is that while I was resting, I was sharpening my axe. And, you know, that relates to us a lot of times. You know, we can go, 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 go. But it's when we take the time to stop. And sometimes it's something... And I love this statement from a mentor of ours. The most spiritual thing you can do when you're exhausted is sleep. But you know what? Sometimes it's to rest physically. Sometimes it's to rest spiritually. Sometimes it's to rest emotionally and get together with a replenishing friend. But God calls us to, to rest. And um, I'd like us just to close with singing, um, You are my all in all, just one verse, just all together. You are my strength when I am weak. So I will... Um, Start that and y'all sing along, okay? You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name.
Father, I pray that we can remember that your name is so worthy and what you've done on the cross for us. Father, I pray that you would help us each just to abide in you and learn how to treasure your commandments, Lord, and to treasure your word and to let that word be a rest for our soul. Lord, that you would help us to be content with our circumstances, no matter how trying they are, Lord, knowing that nothing takes you by surprise, Father. And help us most of all celebrate the gospel, the glorious good news, Lord, that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, and when we accept that penalty and we receive that into our hearts, that you assure us not only an abundant life, but Father, you reserve for us a place in heaven forever and ever. So Lord, I pray for anyone who has never um, heard of that gospel, Father, where they don't have to keep working on their own. And Lord, if there's anyone here that has never just realized that you love them so much, that you paid the penalty for anything that they've ever done wrong, Lord, I pray that today they would recognize that and realize that you are offering your free gift of forgiveness. Father, I thank you that you've given that to each one of us. And Lord, we we celebrate the gospel today with each other. We close now in Jesus' name. Amen.